You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now, I'm pleased to say, is Jean-Paul Pratz, CEO of Pretrarot in New York. Great to see you, sir. Thank you, Scarlett. Thank you, Romain, for having me uh, here in Bloomberg. So Petrobras is making a green uh, energy transition like so many other big energy companies. Yet, uh, when you look at the numbers, we just mentioned a 71% increase in E&P. Explain how that 71% increase puts you on the path to green energy transition. Well, Scarlett, transition is not rupture. Transition is something for oil companies very different from other companies. We don't change a diesel engine into a solar panel. We have to transform ourselves into something else. So it has to be done very responsibly and very fairnessly. Uh, this is what we're trying to do in Petrobras. We are 10 years late in this process. We have been 10 years almost stuck with no renewables at all and doing some decarbonization, but much less than we could do. So now this challenge of us is exactly to start this in a consistent way, in parallel to things that we already know how to do, wind energy offshore, with our offshore companies, with our our offshore facilities, uh, hydrogen uh, parallel to gas, co-processing of uh, biofuels into our big refineries. All this must be done in a responsible way and coherent with what we already know what to do. This is uh, our scope right now. This is our biggest challenge, apart from recovering the credibility that Petrobras somehow got hurt uh, years ago. Okay, got it. So you're going to continue doing, um, executing on your core competencies, uh, basically, while you move into green energy as well. We We call ourselves an oil company in transition. An oil company in transition. Well, let's talk about the oil company part of it. How's Petrobras viewing the oil market this year, uh, given where oil prices are, given the disruption in the Red Sea, given the supply-demand dynamics? I believe the, the disruptions will continue to exist. We are uh, in a phase where we're not at the very end of the oil era, of course. The oil era will be uh, probably looked at in 50 years, 40, 50 years, not now. So oil is going to be very important still in geopolitics, in the wars, in the supplies, in the logistics. Uh, I think this year will be pretty much similar to last year. We're going to be facing around $70 to $90 barrel. We're going to be having to protect ourselves about uh, political risks, geopolitical risks. Uh, On our side, Petrobras is pretty protected. We don't import oil from the Middle East. On the contrary, we export oil uh, to the uh, Far East and to Europe, so we don't use so much of the Gulf itself, and we don't import whatever we need to import still in fuels, it doesn't come from there. So we're pretty safe into that. We didn't have to deviate so much of our ships. 
uh, we're pretty comfortable with that, but we have to deal with these factors as well. So the supply chain issues haven't hit you, at least the rerouting of some of those... Uh, uh, very few, Romain, very few, because as I said, we don't use that much of right. that routing. We don't, we don't use the Suez Canal, we don't use the Gulf so much yes. as okay. other countries. So that doesn't need to be a concern here. You mentioned the range for oil prices potentially in that 70 to 90 here. I mean, is there anything that you see a potential catalyst that could break it out of that range, either higher or lower? If the Yemen uh, crisis goes uh, farther than the, it's going now, if there is a rupture there, we, we have a very fragile neck there for oil and gas business, right. which is uh, amazing because nobody was paying attention to that for decades already. Mm -hmm. You have Yemen on one side, Somalia on the other side, and nobody cares. Well, I'm and these people are miserable, and they're looking at these super ships coming up and down, and right. they don't touch it. So we have to do something about that before it becomes a serious crisis. It's already on the verge of it. How involved are you in that? And the fact that you bring that up, where at the same time, you're now seeing a growing dispute between Venezuela and Guyana, of course, uh, close neighbors of Brazil there. Have you been involved in any way here uh, in trying to, I guess, address uh, that dispute? Yeah, the position of Venezuela is, uh, uh, is to take a position into something that historically was uh, constructed somehow and was resolved somehow. Uh, all of a sudden, you find big oil there, mm. and everything starts again. And Guyana, of course, has uh, its borders settled. Uh, Petrobras itself is not involved in there because we're not either in Guyana or Venezuela, even though we had been in Venezuela for, uh, before. Our diplomatic services and President Lula himself are getting involved into mediating a solution, which, of course, uh, will guarantee the Guyana frontiers. Would, would you be open in going back into Venezuela or entering into Guyana? We will consider, but now with this situation, we are looking uh, to analyze the situation itself. Guyana is a frontier that is interesting for everybody. We have some offers there. And Venezuela is the way we know. Uh, it's still a close country with a lot of uh, oil assets that were very depleted, very well uh, mistreated. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to do there once uh, somebody gets involved seriously. Okay, so you're keeping an eye on that market. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about Brazil's participation in OPEC and what that means for Petrobras. Um, is there any chance of the country actually participating in quotas at some point? Well, that's, that's a very important question that may be uh, worth the interview to clarify the whole world about this. There's a misunderstanding about that. Mm -hmm. Brazil is not getting into OPEC and is not going to get subject to quotas. It doesn't make sense for Brazil itself and it doesn't make sense for Petrobras, for the government right now. All we did as country was signing the chart of cooperation of OPEC plus, which is a third degree of cooperation. It's not OPEC, it's not OPEC plus, it's a third degree that it opened specially for Brazil and to other countries to exchange data, to cooperate, to hear the meetings, to understanding the point of view of the exporters and producers of oil amid the transition. So this is what Brazil is going to participate. Not OPEC in quotas and all that, and not even OPEC plus. It's the OPEC plus chart of cooperation. Does it open the door though for investment in uh, Petrobras from some of those OPEC plus nations? But that is already going on. We already have a lot of uh, good relation with the ADNOC, with Saudi Aramco, with the KPC, with the Gulf countries itself, with Nigeria, with 
Angola. Uh, so this is not in anything that will help. It helps the, the dialogue. It helps the exchange of data. It will help the intelligence of Brazil about the sector, mm -hmm. just as much as Brazil participates in so many other forums. All right, Jean-Paul, appreciate you uh, stopping by for us. Thank John you, Paul Prats, he's the CEO over at Petrobras. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.